I'm Rob Dietz. I'm Jason Bradford. And I'm Asher Miller. And welcome to Crazy Town, where the future looks like the past, only shittier. Rob, Jason, gather around kids. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to share a story with you. Warm our hands by the fire. Sit down, kids. I got a, I got a parable for you. Oh, okay. okay. Let me tell you about two people I know about. I don't know them, but I know about them. Oh. Their names are Bill and Lou. Okay. Bill and Lou were these great food justice activists. They were trying to build, help build a new sustainable food and farming future. Wow, this is right up your alley, Jason. Yeah, keep continuing. They were at this incredible university. Unfortunately, it's closed now. It was Green Mountain College. Oh, yes. There's a whole story about it. Green Mountain, that's got to be up in Vermont. It was in Vermont, yeah. An incredible school. Um, And... uh, they were working there. They were engaged in actual sustainable farming there. Um, they worked hard, but unfortunately, Lou got hurt on the job. Oh, mm. that's dangerous. Mm. Yeah. yeah, agriculture. Yeah. Farming. Work. And that's both right. Lou and, and Bill, they, they were older in years. They, they got up there in years. And, okay. um, Time to retire then, huh? Well, the, the school was faced with a choice, what to do. So they gathered all the students together and had a big conversation on what do we do. Uh-huh. And it came down to um, the final decision was, we're going to eat them. <laughs> Sorry. We're going to eat Wait, them. That's what the students came so, up with. We're okay. going to eat them. Like so, Soylent Green here? Or what are we doing? Or are we talking on? more like Walking Dead? Like uh, you know, the students got a little insane? Now, before you start running off and thinking this is going to be like, this is a preview of the road, the, of the road some dystopian future thing. I should add one little piece of information okay. that might right, help. Help me out here. Bill and Lou were oxen. Okay, so can we just stop right? I think when you introduced this, you called them people. So did I? I think you may have. Well, but okay, so they're they're sort of like oxen people. Yeah. Okay. They they were. Um, well, I feel we'll review the tapes. We're going to review the tapes on sentient this one. beings. I feel a little bit better about uh, this. I think that's a great intro. <laughs> okay, so there, there's a real reason I'm bringing this up. Uh, Post Carbon Institute, uh, where two of us work, and the other one is. Not working, but kind of... <laughs> I work. You're directing us. Um, <laughs> Do this. You just come to the office sometimes and point and... Yeah. yeah He's working hard on this podcast That's right now. Yeah. Okay. Make it. So post Government Institute, a number of years ago, we, we published a book series with a publisher called Chelsea Green around community resilience. And one of the, the books was on, on food systems. A great book written by a guy named Phil, Philip ackerman Leist, And uh, the book is called Rebuilding the Food Shed. And uh, Philip actually was working at Green Mountain College okay. mm-hmm. and, and running the program there. And so I, I learned about Bill and Lou. Actually, I learned about them. I'm not sure I learned about them first from him or from reading in the New York Times uh-huh. about Bill and Lou. Because what ended up happening was there was this huge controversy related to the fact that, yes, one of these oxen got hurt. And then the the program there, which was doing all this amazing pioneering work, looking at how you can actually grow food sustainably. Uh, Ken doing... Mulder is involved in that. It was a big thing for him. He's great. Right. Yeah, so you know, the net energy of farming and all this, figuring right. out how to make farming energy positive again. And... Right. Oh. Yeah. They're doing all these studies, looking at inputs, you know, from using, you know, fossil fuel inputs to using uh, animal labor to using yep. human labor. Yep. So Hybrid. just backing this up a sec. So the the oxen were used for plowing the fields and doing other yeah. other yeah. farm work. Yeah. And, the, and the students there were were working hand in hoof. What do you what do you yeah. call it? <laughs> Very closely with these oxen. Fantastic. And, 
Um, and then, and then one of them got hurt and both of them were older and they had to make a decision about what to do. And they actually really got the student body involved in making the decision. And because they're really trying to, you know, source their food as sustainably and locally as possible there, they did make a decision that they were going to serve it, you know, in the cafeteria, serve Bill and Lou in the cafeteria. And, and of course they had students there that were vegetarian students there that were vegan, you know, it wasn't for everybody. But the reason it became very controversial was that there was an animal rights group that heard about this local one and they were livid about this. Mm-hmm. And they went on the warpath, like literally went on the warpath. They started attacking the, the, the college in all kinds of ways. There were, there were death threats sent to Philip and others at the university. There were people protesting on campus. There were all kinds of letters being sent in. Uh, there was a denial of service attack on the on the website. So for, does, does for the no college. one does no one recognize the irony of making a death threat because you're planning on killing right. another uh, <laughs> another being? They contacted all of the all the slaughterhouses that basically in the whole area and and threatened them that if they actually uh, slaughtered. Bill and well, why, why do they care so much about these two oxen in particular? I mean, these slaughterhouses kill well, animals every day. It's because they're named. Oh, right. it's Bill and Lou. Come on. Well, so I mean, that's the reason I'm bringing it up. Is it's, that, it's crazy. You know, it's not you like have... the 101 Dalmatian situation or something like that. There's not like some stealing puppies to make coats. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> if they're going to make coats out of Bill and Lou. Well, that's fine, but no. you're not stealing puppies. I mean, this is like the natural life cycle for for a couple of old oxen. I just they had a wonderful life. They got to live for 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 like a many many years working with with young people to teach them how to farm better. So I, I knew you were going to get all upset. And I'm this really episode. pissed off right yeah. now. <laughs> So I found, you know, the reason I brought this up is because I just, one, that was just kind of an astonishing example of something that I think we see a lot, and that is basically people attacking uh, their allies. Their allies, in effect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that most of the students at that college learn about the evils of CAFOs and and, and For our listeners, explain what a what a CAFO a, is. A, a confined animal feeding operation. You know, basically shoving a bunch of cattle in a feedlot. It's, it's a shit yard, basically, yeah, is mean, what it is. It's, it's The worst are like the poultry and the pigs, because they never yeah. get outside. Most no. cattle are in CAFOs for the last couple months of their life, but... For these other animals, like these pigs Man, and chickens and, and turkeys, they're just they they barely have they any space move, to yeah. move. And you know when you're near one, I mean, it uh, smells so bad. Yeah, I mean, so of course this is the antithesis of a CAFO system. These are animals that are are being used for their labor cooperatively to make food for people, but also you're feeding and caring for them as humans because you need these animals to be healthy to help you farm. And what what do they want? They want us to not even research. How to use oxen again? You just want to keep, you know, going and harvesting fossil fuels and shiv- shoving them in a diesel track. I mean, I what's think their the argument—they wanted them to be put out, you know, to some retirement home for, you know, for farming. Like Ferdinand like the Bull. Yeah, maybe. Right, did you ever read that story? You know, yeah. he, he wins uh, the bullfight and just gets to go out on the okay. hillside. <clears throat> right. Okay. Fine. I mean, so then what we have is we. But, you know, can we respectfully disagree? Yeah, can Agree we respectfully disagree? Right. I mean, come on. I just have to be in silence for a moment. Can someone else talk for a while? Yeah, well, I think I can pick us up here in that this kind of thing is not new. I mean, Green Mountain College, wouldn't you call it the most environmentally aware, greenest, at least when it, before it closed, was, was kind of... Which is a whole other story, and that is yeah. the, the struggle of, of incredible independent schools like this, you yeah. know, in this in this... 
day and age. The kinds of schools we need are actually going out of business. But right. That's a, that's but a this sign. this idea of uh, enviros who are holier than thou attacking other enviros, or, or that sort of beat the hell out of your allies, that's not new. So let me let me play a clip for you guys on this topic. One of the things I do worry about sometimes uh, among progressives in the United States, maybe it's true here as well, um, is a certain kind of rigidity where we say, ah, I'm sorry, this is how it's going to be. And then we start sometimes creating what's called a uh, circular firing squad where you start shooting at your allies. So that's obviously former President Barack Obama. And before we talk about what he said, can can we just all have a moment uh, to to think about how nice it was to have a president who could speak English and and do so really well? I mean, you weren't you weren't embarrassed to have him go to a place like Germany, which is where he is was, where and, uh-huh. and and speak to a crowd of people. Yeah. I mean, regardless of conservative, whatever, it's just nice to have somebody with a good speaking voice like that. Yeah, he's talking about progressives' tendency to uh, to form a circular firing squad. So instead of going after the actual people, institutions, policies that that would really help us get to where we need to go, we just turn and fire at each other. You're right. This is not a new story. This is something that is maybe part of human nature, certainly part of the progressive, you could say part of the progressive left, you yeah. know, and has been for a long time. We certainly experience it ourselves. I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten an email from somebody complaining that we're all wrong because we're not focusing on this one issue enough. I mean, and sometimes we joke about it. We have three main things that come up all the time for us. Thorium reactors. Right? <laughs> you guys are totally wrong. You don't get it. When thorium comes along, you know, it's going to fix all these problems, right? Okay. Get those a lot. It's because of the, the root is Thor. You know, it's like a superhero right. coming in <laughs> yeah, with a magic hammer. Well, then you're going to have to explain the next one. The next one is totally different. Hemp. Hemp oh, is like... Yes. You, you guys are totally missing it. Hemp is the solution to everything. Well, good. Clothing, we're, we're basically food. done then, like, we're, at, we're at least like, here in Oregon. Oh, yeah. This is like the hemp capital of the USA right we now. We need thorium-powered hemp or <laughs> hemp-powered thorium. I'm not sure. sure which. Sure. Those two are not. I mean, you, you put those two in the room together. They would have an interesting conversation. But the third one, <laughs> and it, we get this more than any other, I think, at least in my experience, is population. Uh-huh. You guys don't talk about human overpopulation enough. There's one guy, and I'm not going to name this guy because then I'm going to get another 15,000 emails from him. (laughs) Every time an email goes out from PCI to our mailing list, he's on our mailing list, and it's got my name associated with it. I get an email from him copying a bunch of other people basically saying, everything you're saying is wrong, and the reason it's all wrong is because you are not calling for effectively mandatory curtailment of human population. Right. Right? Right. Mm. And... And if until you do that, your work is worthless. Let's, and, let's bring it up at the next board meeting, okay? Well, and let, let's right. be clear. I mean, Post Carbon Institute is an organization that recognizes the limits to growth. We have too big a population consuming too much stuff. And yeah. we, we write about that. We talk about it. We, Of course, we're in favor of, of 
sane, humane policies like education uh, and, and making sure that people all over the world, and especially girls, have access to education. That, talk about things like that with population. But to say that we're not able or we're not doing the job there is ridiculous. We're an ally or could be allies. Right. We, and we have allies who are, are groups that focus on on those issues. You know, we have mm-hmm. a fellow who, you know, works on population issues, has for decades. We've got partners like Population Media Center that do incredible work in terms of education. It's around. just that you're not beating that drum constantly. It's not our only thing. Right, right. right. It's I not want, the only thing we, we talk I want to go back to the thorium and hemp deal, because that's where we can make some money. That's if we can get true. thorium-infused hemp. No, no, no. You need, thorium, you need tractors to run on thorium so you can grow hemp. That's right. That's what we need. And yeah. you can go buy it at the Hemporium. Well, you know, this happens even in academia. Like, it's not just these overzealous activist types, these you know, supposedly cool-headed professorial types can sort of start beating each other up. I'm thinking about the Stanford University professor, Mark Jacobson, sued somebody, oh, Clark, yeah. for... Clack, Clack, I remember this. Clack, yeah. not Clark, Clack. Clicky Clack. Hey, sued Clack, and Clack was an author of this paper with like a bunch of others, right? So it wasn't just... He was just the lead author. Yeah, he was just the lead author. So he sues Clack for ten million dollars because <laughs> ten million, yeah, because Clack an academic, an academic, like he doesn't have it. So, but Clack, Shocking. Clack et al. published a, a response to the Jacobson article article in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science. So this is this is like the most high status journal possible, pretty much. And so it went through peer review. It was a legitimate. It was a legitimate academic debate to have right, about— Right, so Jacobson wrote something and they responded, right. they responded. with a rebuttal. That his assumptions were wrong on some of these models he had. So he had models about and, renewable energy taking over and— Yeah, I mean, what, what Jacobson was saying is that we can replace the current energy infrastructure with renewables by 2050 yeah. and you know keep living life the way we are. And, and Clack et al. kind of came back and said, well, we think— there's something wrong with your assumptions and your models, and maybe it's not going to work out the way you've said. So what was the lawsuit for? Oh, libel or, you know. Yeah, it, slander. slander. And, but it was just and, like he was just saying, you had an assumption in your models that we believe is incorrect, and here's how. And and so he called that slander? It's ridiculous. The suit was but dropped. Remind me, slander is verbal and libel is written? Or the uh, other I don't know. It was, yeah, one either, of those. It was, it was, it was, it was uh, slibel. It was slibel. Right. It was a slibel suit, okay. and it got, it got jettisoned. But anyway, I'm just to bring up the point. Yeah, I think like, Clack, like sent a human... him, Clack sent him a case of thorium, and they just buried the hatchet. You know, <laughs> they buried the thorium. Yeah, <laughs> really deep. <laughs> they buried the hammer. So, anyhow, I mean, this just hey, what's going on here? Like, is this some human nature issue we've got going on? Or why? Well, that <sighs> that's the question. Is okay, you know? Yeah, you got some whack jobs out there who might fight one another. But I, I think it's largely people who are sensible that are fighting. And the question is, why does this happen? And I, I don't know. I mean, one of the things that strikes me is that because we listen, you know, oh. sometimes these people who are attacking one another, the opposition isn't going to listen. They're going to disregard completely right. You know, not even right. not even give them the time of day. Right. Whereas we might actually engage in an argument. No, not might we do so. Like the example, this guy who keeps sending me emails about about population. The first three times he emailed me, 
probably, I took the time to send very thoughtful responses and sort of explain. We're really supportive of those efforts, of of efforts around population, addressing addressing population, but doesn't necessarily mean that that needs to be all of our work. Yes, but have you considered population? I've, I've considered population of thorium. But what about population? <laughs> but so... So I try to explain. I, mean, like, I, I was, it was a wonderful, composed, this really, really nice I, letter. I tried. I know you do. I've seen these. Yeah, things, right? Cher, you write almost like Obama speaks. Yes, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. Somewhere between Trump and Obama <laughs> is where I fall. But, but the point is, I, I did take the time, yeah, several times, yeah, to try to respond playfully and respectfully, and then still get these. In a sense, it was an invitation, keep sending me more of these right, emails. Right. Right. And right. eventually I stopped responding. But I think you're right. Like It's like he's trying to use the force on you, like a Jedi mind trick. <laughs> you will talk about population. You're like, no, I won't. Yes, you will talk about population. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I was a receptive audience. And I think that it's easier to, to reach out to and yell at somebody who's going to listen to you than somebody who's not. <sighs> I mean, yeah. they, they, so there are some people that are just going to be rigid thinkers. They they latch onto something. It's hard to get them off of it. Okay. Like right. I've, got, I've got a dog here that just, I mean, you, you give her a tennis ball and that's all that's going to be on her mind for a while or a stick. Okay. So yeah, like, <laughs> it, like okay. Tennis ball, stick. I got another dog. Doesn't give a crap about tennis balls or sticks. So there's maybe there's just something about certain topics. It just certain people are going to latch onto them and just go with that. But that's not the only thing going on. Well, I, I think it's also if you combine maybe that rigid thinking with heightened concern. Okay, right? sure. So yeah, anxiety. the more people are concerned, anxious about these issues, the more important these issues are to them. Maybe the the more they have a tendency to want to find a single answer. Yeah, this or comforting. a single source of the problem, single right. person or thing to blame. Often there are technologies or there are certain single focus issues. It almost is, it is akin almost to like a religious belief in a sense that simplify the problem for me, give me an answer, which is analogous to what maybe many, many more conservative, politically conservative folks are into, like, you know, those simple answers that provide a resolution to the anxiety I might feel. Right. Yeah. One, one thing we've talked about a lot in this program is none of this is easy. And when you're talking about complex systems, there's always a, a lot of nuance to consider. And whenever you've got that kind of nuance, well, there's all sorts of details you can argue over. I mean, imagine the policy debates you can get into. Uh, and I think that's maybe that's part of the problem, too. Yeah. And, and so, you know, maybe with this Jacobson clock issue, you've got You've got a huge amount of detail going into some model of the energy system that Jacobson put so much work into, I'm sure. And then to have somebody start to question that, what does that do to your status as a professor? You know, so there's, you know, you're not you're not necessarily a rigid thinker. Maybe you're 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 really flexible and really creative, but now you're def now you're defending your status. Maybe if you have to get into some debates about this. You're right. I think social status matters a lot, a lot to people. It may also be in the case of, of somebody like a Jacobson, if you get attacked a lot, let's say from people who are not in your camp, mm, right? Right. Then you're maybe more defensive when you are challenged. Yeah, legitimately. That's a that's a by cool, people on your side. Right. That's a cool insight. But what a shitty thing! Like 
here comes somebody who's a kind of an ally, and I'm so angry that they're questioning this that I'm just gonna I'm gonna slap a ten million dollar right. lawsuit on. Well, them. that's happened to me where I um. You got a $10 million lawsuit filed <laughs> no, against you? No. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, retract that. By the way, that did happen. Uh, Jacobson had to had to give up the lawsuit. Yeah. It, it wasn't going oh. you know, to fly. Yeah. You're going to retract yours, Rob, against, against Jason? Against Jason. I'm Thank thinking you. about it. Yeah. Whew, I can keep my house. <laughs> um, no, but I remember, gosh, this was, this was 15 years ago looking into the IPCC Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change Models for Energy. And saying, "Oh, these are crazy," and economic development and all that. It's oh, like, this is about like the the they're talking about all these damages that are coming, but they're not feeding it back into the economy. Well, there was two. There we had a previous ep- yeah, episode we talked last about season. This in season one, yeah. yeah, yeah. But essentially, they they had two problems, right? They had they assumed there was plenty of energy that we could just grow the economy forever, and then they weren't using proper uh, damage functions to say, "Ah, uh, yeah, well." If the sea level rises 50, 80, 100 feet, there's a lot of economic damage. Right. So stop, you know, anyway. So I won't get, but the, the issue I had was that I got attacked by people who were really strong believers that climate change was a problem. And I wasn't denying that. I was just saying this model's got some assumptions and actually you're, it's not even taking climate change seriously enough to do proper damage yeah, function. You're, you're kind of saying it's more of a problem than what what these reports are telling us to some extent like the first half like like oh that the second half that yes the damage functions should be upped they're not really taking seriously their own outcomes of climate change but then i was critiquing the fact that we could it's, they assume we can just grow and prosper forever with abundant energy yeah so anyway i I kind of felt that too. Like I, these were, I thought my allies and I was trying to improve climate modeling in a sense, but it was hard to even go there because I think like you were saying the right or the, you know, the business interests are always attacking them. So even though I was such an ecologist concerned about this and wanted to get it right, it was hard to be heard. I think, I think that's a part of it. I think the other part of it is worrying, worry about giving, the opposition ammunition. Right. So if our if our side, <laughs> our team, quote unquote, is pointing out flaws or raising questions. Right. You know, we've been dealing with arguments of saying, well, the science is not in, you know, there's yes. this is still being debated and that being used as a ploy yes. for basically failing to take action. And so if we point out further uncertainties, yes, then all we're doing is giving that side more ammunition to halt us. So I've got lots of disagreements with Mark Jacobson, but if I if I were to give him benefit of the doubt, I might say, which is not justifying filing a, a lawsuit on someone, which I think is insane. Right. But if the if part of the the emotional reaction, you know, that that led him to do that was just like real fear that oh no, we need people to believe that this transition could happen quickly yeah. because if if they if they are looking at it in a nuanced way. Or if there's any doubt about it, then we're not going to take action. We need to take action because look what's happening. The right, planet's right. on fire. Right. No, you get this from the fossil fuel interest saying renewables will never cut it. You right. know, so this was sort of playing into that. And we've had we've definitely had people upset at us for right. for you know, when we wrote our renewable future, that was an attempt on our part to try to look at the transition 
in a realistic way, in our view. Right. And we said we share the same goal. We see the same absolute urgent need, but we feel like it's it's really important to be honest about what the challenges are. And there are definitely people that, that were not happy with us doing that because it's a lot easier to present a picture where it's going to be easy or it's going to be cost-effective or it's going to be whatever. Right. right. Well, I like, so this is where I like the idea of like, if someone is arguing with you about these things, but you think they're an, they should be an ally deep down, maybe, I mean, I'm just throwing out a strategy is to then say, hey, can we talk about what, what our shared values and goals might be here for just, I just want to recalibrate. <laughs> We're arguing over this, but hey, wait a second. Here, I want to let you know why I, why, what I think about what I care about, who I am. And I, I, I think you and I are probably on the same page here and we're disagreeing maybe on a tactic. You know, I, I, yeah. I'm trying to get, yeah. how would you go about changing those conversations so they're not battles? I, I have had a, an experience that worked uh, doing exactly what you're talking about. Oh, I, I remember, yeah, I mean, I, I just, uh, we were talking about what to do economically in the town of Corvallis. And, and I was talking about, well, if we pin all our hopes to continuous growth, you know, we're going to have a problem in the future, you know, for all the reasons we've talked about on this show. And this guy at the table was just shaking his head. No, like looking at me like I'm an idiot. And, you know, and I, I could see it. Well, you are, but well, yes, I mean, but yeah. he, he shouldn't know that. He wouldn't right? know that. Right. Um, <laughs> How does he know this? How does he know what? <laughs> just because I look stupid doesn't mean I am. So you, you were in that make America stupid again. Right. Hey, Rob, you've got a great podcast face. Let me tell you. So I would. Yeah. So. Thank you. Yeah. So I I was sitting there with this guy going, well, this isn't working. There's no point in me going into any detail of right. what I'm proposing. So I did exactly that. I said, well, I think we need to take a step back and decide what, what are we all striving for, which it was easy to do. You know, like we want good jobs for people here. We want good education for our children. We want to be able to go to the, the library and check out, you know, whatever it is yes. uh, that you're talking about for your town, it was easy to find that agreement. So I, I do think that is a way out of this, this mess of the circular firing squad is trying to get to that uniting idea. What is that shared belief that we, we can get behind as allies? And I, I like to think of it as, you know, we're, we're trying to have an economy and energy system that's got a the right relationship with nature and we're all working on that together yeah and that's i guess that's the problem is that there's such a energy illiteracy and energy blindness that we find ourselves often stumbling to try to backpedal people and say wait 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 you're leaping ahead here and you're making assumptions about the future and what's possible and then you feel like you're undermining them maybe i remember having conversations like this at a public meeting where I felt I, it was hard to do because you, you know, how do you get into that in any kind of detail when you only have like some minutes to have a talk in public? Who this is complicated because I think, you know, on the one hand, I would say, yeah, we need to have a cohesive, consistent set of values or a story that we all that's like foundational that is consistent. Yeah. Well. Um, and on that front, though, let's be clear. We're not saying don't be a vegan or don't pick your single cause that you care a lot about and want to talk about. That's fine as long as you're not attacking the people you're talking about who mm-hmm. who are all should all be united by this cause. Yeah, yeah but, I, but I just 
I also think that that's really tricky is to come up with something, you know, you come up with something that you try to, you think is universal, right? Yeah. And, and, and maybe we have to make a distinction between universal for people that are effectively in the same general realm of values, you know, not to make this a right left kind of thing, but that's different than finding common values across all of society. Sure. Right. But so I think you got to be clear on which of those you're talking about, but you know, the risk of trying to find those common, that shared story or common values is that it sort of gets watered down to the point where, is it the like the lowest common denominator that you're you're landing on? Is it something that's kind of an abstract that doesn't actually serve as a guidepost for concrete things that we do? I tend to think of it more as maybe, and this sounds a little kumbaya, it's not just about like finding shared values. It's just always starting from a place of respect, which means yeah. starting from empathy and listening. I remember, you know, hearing a, a great story from, uh, and maybe I've shared this before, but uh, a woman who was one of the, the the women behind the Love Canal situation that happened in the 70s it was sort of one of the first cases of industrial pollution in, in an urban community and the community rising up to address it. And it was really led by a bunch of mothers in the community where people were um, suffering from cancer as a result of pollution. Yeah, a lot of children too, yeah. right? And, um, and I, I can't remember this woman's name right now. Maybe we can put it in the show notes later. But she, she was invited to come to an event that some environmental group had organized locally in a borough in New York that was, you know, they're putting in a new plant and it was going to create a lot of localized air pollution and all kinds of other issues for the community, which happens so much in this mm -hmm. country and elsewhere, right? They place these things intentionally in in the most disadvantaged communities. And there's another one of those cases, and mm -hmm. here's this group of do-gooders who are trying to oppose this, and they organized an event, um, and they did all kinds of outreach to get people to show up, and they asked her to come and speak, and nobody came. Oh, Nobody came, and they were devastated, and they went out to this bar afterwards, and they were, like, apologizing and felt terrible, and, and she asked them, well, you know, what did you do when you did outreach to try to get people to come? And they, they shared with her, and, and she said, well, you haven't figured out a way of making this relevant to people who live here, you know? So she said, like, take that guy over there, and there was a guy sitting in a bar watching a football game. She's like, I wonder what he cares about. She went up to talk to him, and he's like, shut up, I'm watching the game. So right. she waited until commercial, and then, you know, she was asking him if he knew about this proposed new plant that was going to be put in. He's like, I don't care about that crap. And she's like, well, what do you care about? And he's like, well, I drive a truck. I haul this stuff up and down here, and there's, like, this this one stretch where I got to take a left turn and it takes me forever because there's so much traffic. And she's like, well, if they put this plant in, in think about what that traffic is going to be like for you. You know, <laughs> it's going to be that much more worse, right? Cause there's going to be all this stuff going back and forth. She's like, Oh yeah, that sucks. I hate that. You know? <laughs> and suddenly she had an ally, right? And it was just a matter of trying to understand what people care about and taking the time to do that. And, and then trying to find the commonalities with them. That sounds exhausting though. Yeah, it's hard, and it's building relationships. Well, it, you know? but I've heard you even, Jason, say, uh, "Can we ask questions first? Right? I mean, that's the—I think that's what you're talking about. Like, be yeah. curious before you start critiquing. Be willing to understand where the the person is coming from before you have to lay out your case for hemp or whatever it is. Yeah, I do that sometimes. Yeah, and it's I think, hard. You it, get you get tired and busy. You just want to like stake your case and go home. But and I think it doesn't work. Just being, I mean, again, 
understanding what is what is driving our emotional reaction in these situations, right? So if you could say to yourself, "I have this really, I'm having this really strong reaction against this person or right. this idea," like what's I, where's that coming yeah. from? Yeah, and it may just be coming from the fact that you're really concerned about this issue, and then it turns out this person that you're attacking is also concerned about that issue. They just came to a different conclusion than you, right. you know. So, and if you thought more systemically about things, you could say. Hey, we need people pushing on this elephant from all these different angles, you know, maybe right. hopefully not pushing the opposite directions because then the elephant's just going to sit there. But there isn't a single solution to these things. So we need people pushing on it from, from a bunch of different directions. And we can be respectful of the fact that people might be motivated to work on this one thing over there and another right. person totally. working on a different thing over so there. So we're, we're, we're kind of asking people, uh, it sounds like, to be a little more mature, like step uh, outside of yourself a little bit and see when it's happening, like when yeah. allies are turning into that circular firing squad. And if you can recognize when it's happening, see if you can find a way to, yeah, to get mind, to the, to, to be curious. Yeah. To get to those, uh, what are the share? What, what, what do we share in common? What do you care about? And, and then, to yeah. And then being able to describe the system in a larger sense and sort of say your issue du jour is a part of the system. I recognize that. I respect that. And let's let's look let's try to look at it maybe more holistically and understand these connections and not like attack each other for for being narrow, but realizing like you're saying that some people have to have a narrow wedge and hitting one side of this maybe, and that's good, but don't dismiss ever ever another person's you know angle on it. Yeah, there's angles and there's also values. I mean, like in the case of vegans, and God, we're probably going to get a bunch of emails now. <laughs> um, I think so for some people, they feel like they have they have a fundamental truth and if anyone's not living based upon that fundamental truth they're they're behaving wrong right, right? that's hard and man. i and i think that that is hard i would maybe remind those people there are others who also believe that they have a fundamental truth right. like people who believe that you know life begins at conception you know what i mean right. and so are you saying that you agree if basically nobody should have a right to to choose what they do with their own body because these people have this belief yeah. and um, and, what about and, the every sperm is sacred perspective too? It even goes before preconception. That's true. Every sperm is sacred. Yeah, <laughs> um, Monty Python yeah. reference usually Sorry. usually yeah. comes up somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. But uh, it just it, it's rec- you know th- there are things that are emotionally charged for people. Asking them to respect that other people don't other people don't have the same beliefs that they do is hard, but it's necessary if we live in a pluralistic society, you right. know, do we not want to live in a pluralistic society? You know, I don't know. That's a, that's a lot of syllables. I need Sorry. to understand I'll, what that I'll means. That down. <laughs> yeah. But well, and, yeah. And the last thing I would say actually did that, and I've never used this argument. It'd be interesting to see if it worked, but trying to remind people, like you look at the civil rights movement, for example, there was an inside outside strategy there. In a sense, there was Malcolm X coming at this from a position that made Martin Luther King seemed much more yeah, moderate. You know, moderate and workable, you know? Right. And in a sense, having Malcolm X's out there made it possible for Martin Luther King to sit in the White yeah, House what with was, Kennedy. Right. What was your concept from last season, the Overton window? Oh, yeah, the Overton window. That's right. You know, where you, it's the window in which something, some kind of policy change or something becomes politically feasible. Yeah. And so Malcolm X kind of opened that window. Yeah, widen that uh, window wider. and shift that window. Yeah. Yeah. So we need a diversity of approaches. We need to uh, be pushing and pulling in different directions. We don't know what's going to be this thing. But we need to not beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. Like, you didn't see MLK railing on Malcolm X all the time. He was he was railing against 
the the oppression, the racism. You know, he wasn't. So <laughs> as much as we can stop beating the crap out of each other. Unless maybe that's our strategy. If we beat each other up so badly, we'll we'll get a lot of sympathy and get our way. Is that is that what we're after? <laughs> so fire hoses on each other. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, look you look, first. Look how bad off we are. Yeah. Help e- us. Email us share, okay? He'll forward anything to the two of us. So he's the guy if you have a problem with the show a share is the guy oh, you God. talk to. And then he fire hoses Jason. And and I just, uh, I'll sit at the desk, okay? I'll, 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 uh, I'll produce the podcast. All right, type away, folks. Hey, to get more information or to stay updated whenever we put out a new episode, go to postcarm.org slash crazy town and make sure you sign up for our email list. So if people go to postcarbon.org slash crazy town, what, what are they actually going to get, Jason? You mean besides gonorrhea? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, okay, good. That's that's one thing you can get. The other thing you can get is a Stanford University football jersey signed by Professor Mark Jacobson. Wow, sweet. And uh, how, just, how much is that worth? $10 million. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Well, you have to pay $10 million to get it. Probably. Right. Right. Yeah. What about uh, we'll just give you uh, recipes for oxtail soup? How about oh, that? That stuff's delicious. Why? Why can't we just send them oxtails? Uh, well, if if you've got them, send them. Yeah. What What I can send them is I could forward to everyone the, all the emails I get about hemp, thorium, and overpopulation. Oh man, I thought I was gonna get those. That's just sign up for the list. Man. Oh, this is great. Everybody, go to postcarbon.org/slash/crazytown. <laughs>